Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Elixir podcast, where we cover the news of the community and learn from each other. My name is Mark Erickson. I'm Cade Ward. And I'm David Bernheisel. Let's jump into the news. There's a new Elixir proposal um, for how to handle configuration. So uh, if you're an, a familiar Elixir user, you probably know that configuration in Elixir apps is a large topic. It's changed over time, right? A long time ago, there there were uh, libraries called dis- like Distillery and eDeliver and all sorts of deployment-centric and configuration-centric libraries. Um, since Elixir 1.9... Configuration has moved into the core app a little bit more and a little bit, uh, a little bit better, a little bit more consolidated. Um, but there are still some issues with uh, configuration, as you, as you could say. So one of the proposals that has come out um, is about adding another configuration file uh, to Core Elixir, and this would be config slash runtime.exs. Today we have uh, config slash releases and then all of the other environmental ones um, that are at, uh, usually at compile time. So it'd be interesting to see how this plays out and how this can solve some um, some pain points that developers uh, often experience when trying to decide where uh, where to put their um, configuration values, uh, and maybe more importantly, how libraries will instruct um, users to configure their libraries. So as you'd mentioned, that is just a proposal, and I view that as just a continuation of the discussion of how can configuration application runtime development configuration be improved. So should any more developments happen there, we'll let you know. Also uh, in the news with Core Elixir, there's a new release out called 1.10.4. It's mostly a bug release fix, uh, so nothing too groundbreaking uh, here. But if you tuned in last week uh, with uh, Wojtek Mach, we talked a lot about recompilation issues. One of those uh, benefits in 1.10.4 is that uh, def delegate is uh, no longer a compile time dependency. So that might um, that might decrease some recompilation uh, times there. A follow-up from our last episode with Wojtek Mach in the Elixir 1.11, which is not yet released, there was some more clarification on a new feature called compiler checks for application boundaries. And what this means is that the compiler will now warn you if you invoke a function from an existing module, but this module does not belong to any of your listed dependencies. I've seen this problem before. It is most common in Umbrella applications, where you have all the code in the application is loaded and available when you're running from the Umbrella root. But if you are running a single app in the Umbrella, like I would often do with tests, the tests might fail because some referenced code is in a separate application that wasn't actually started because it wasn't listed as a dependency. So I've had problems with that with people on my team where they're just not aware of where those boundaries are. And this helps catch that situation. Specifically, this is solving a problem that is more serious when you're deploying umbrella applications where you choose to only start certain applications and not start others in a deployment. You can check out more on that in the change log. Lastly, as a reminder, there is an Elixir user survey that's open until August 11th. Uh, if you haven't filled it out yet, now's a good time, and the link is going to be in the show notes. That's it for the news. Today, we are honored to have Jim Freeze with us to talk about ElixirConf 2020. This was just recently announced, and there's a call for proposals out. What's unique about this conference is this is the first virtual ElixirConf that we've had. And, you know, that's just a, a sign of the times right now. And, but I'm sure uh, there's some interesting things that we can learn and talk about with this. And I'm glad that Jim was able to join us. So, Jim, welcome to the show. Hello. 
Thanks for having me. So Jim, uh, maybe you could give a little bit of a background on yourself, just kind of introduce yourself to those uh, of the audience who haven't yet kind of heard your voice or know your role that you've been playing in the uh, ElixirConf legacy that we've had. This is the part I never really good at. So talking about <laughs> myself, I need to take some lessons on how to do that. But I, I've been involved with Elixir. Basically, I started the first ElixirConf, right? This was our seventh year. Uh, I was previously in, um, involved with the Ruby community, ran Lone Star RubyCon. And when I saw Elixir, I'm like, this looks like it could be good. Uh, and decided to have the first conference back in 2014. Everyone thought, everyone thought I was crazy. <laughs> but we, we uh, went ahead. And so now we have, what, five Elixir conferences, I think, across the globe. So... That's who I am. I mean, I'm the guy who started ElixirConf. <laughs> That's awesome. So one of the questions I just have to ask is, do you do much Elixir development yourself? Like, it sounds like you came from the Ruby community originally. Are you, do you consider yourself a developer or how do you identify that? That's basically all I'm doing now is writing software. Mm -hmm. So yes, I use Elixir. I use LiveView, uh, Phoenix. You know, I got a background. I have a master's, a BS and a master's and a PhD, all in lasers and fiber optics. Um, but I spent all my time coding. So, I mean, when I got my PhD, they told me, you're never going to use this. It doesn't really matter. And, yeah, that turned out to be true. So. <laughs> so you mentioned there were five other conferences. Is that five other conferences that you help run or organize, or is that just, you know, five more since you started ElixirConf? So, uh, so we, we copyrighted, um, ElixirConf, and we partnered with um, Erlang Solutions to create ElixirConf EU. So those are the two main conferences. And then we wanted to do some outreach programs, so we started ElixirConf MX, and we did a lot of talking about that, and we wanted that uh, to be in Mexico, and I think they're going to now move it around to various cities. And then we started ElixirConf, uh, or, I, you know, uh, I didn't start it, but um, the, the folks in uh, Colombia started uh, ElixirConf Latin America. So they, they contacted me. And if you know the cultures and, and the language issues, we thought that was a good fit. And then the ElixirConf uh, uh, Japan, I, uh, Zaki kind of runs that, uh, but he wanted to be under the ElixirConf umbrella. Uh, and so we helped with marketing and, and branding and getting keynotes and things like that. So how did you first get involved in organizing conferences? It was way back in the Ruby days, um, and we procrastinated for years uh, starting a, a local RubyConf, a regional Ruby conference. And finally, I just said one day, so well, we just, we just got to do it. And David Bluestein was with me, and I mean, we were just like, oh, we don't, don't want to lose a lot of money on this, because <laughs> uh, you had to put down a deposit, and and we just didn't know who would show up, if anybody, because, I mean, this is like a long time ago. <laughs> um, but it turned out to to, to be okay. I, I forgot how many people we had the first conference. I think we had a break-even point around 60 people, and I think we had like 150. So I, just, I kept that up for like seven years. I, I was the one person who went to the first 15 Ruby conferences without missing. <laughs> So I, so I know that some Ruby conferences like like uh like to stay weird as they say. Did did you did you ever get that feeling that Elixir conferences would have that 
unique personality to it? Did did you try to uh, impose any of that or bring that kind of culture over or did you ha- did you want a fresh slate and let Elixir kind of define itself? I'm more of a conference being uh, sustainable. Yeah, I, you know, I like I like longevity. Um, I like conferences that can be a hang around for a long time. Uh, I think the key Ruby Weird thing was, you know, it's basically at the point there's a ton of conferences out there, right? And you got to feel like you got to be recognized. So, so I think people are just doing stuff to get recognized. <laughs> I'm more of a, um, you know, for ElixirConf, we're, we're kind of established. We're trying to be um, very technical, Elixir-centric. And so we're playing more of the mainstream. We don't have, I don't think we have to do anything crazy to get recognized. <laughs> um, and so we want to be have the broadest umbrella to accept, be acceptable to the most uh, most people. So, we, you know, we pray pretty straight down the line. You know, if you have a talk about Elixir, you know, we'll look at it. <laughs> yeah. With that said, if you have a talk about PHP, we may not be interested in that. <laughs> well, this would probably be a good time to jump in and start talking about what uh, you guys have organized for ElixirConf US. I am curious, is it, I assume there's a team behind this that's not just you doing all of this, right? Is there a team? A team for what? <laughs> well, I mean, you, you've got to organize, you know, uh, you know, people make submissions. So you have to have maybe a panel of people who are choosing who are good presenter topics. And, uh, and then you have, there's probably organizing, you know, like with a physical conference, you know, there's like a facility and there's food and, you know, then the, there's the sponsors and all that organization. How does that, any of that work? So, yes, very carefully. Um, so in your intro, you said we just announced the 2020. I, I guess to be fair, we really announced it last year. That's true. Um, but I think everyone figured it out, right? Um, that the fact that we weren't selling tickets, uh, <laughs> they're <laughs> like, uh, maybe it's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, so I, my point was uh, I did not want to, I guess I'm going off your question, but I, I didn't, I didn't want to have to return a bunch of money. Right. I, I did return, um, uh, some money, uh, to some sponsors, but I, you know, I had conversations with every sponsor and how they wanted to move forward and, and if, if they, you know, about their funding. Um, so we had good, good conversations on that. And I did, I purposely didn't start selling tickets cause I didn't want to have to, um, get in a situation where I couldn't pay people back. But conferences do, do take lots of, plan, lots of planning. We signed at the, for the Gaylord uh, December of 2015, right? So we, we signed these contracts a long time ago. And there's a lot of planning. Uh, I'm, as far as the planning goes, I'm, I'm the main person. Uh, we have a committee, and we have some uh, um, public committee members and some private committee members, so... Some of the private committee members uh, want to, you know, don't want to be harassed uh, if they choose the wrong talk. Um, <laughs> and then we have public committee members. Uh, and then I have um, a ton of friends. I say a ton. Uh, the, uh, the gang from Chihuahua, Mexico, uh, Ricardo and Laura and Victor and, and Javier and Crystal and, and, and all those folks. Who, when we're uh, when we're actually at the facility, they really make it happen. So we couldn't do it without them, and they've been with me 
Oh man, I, I think they we started at the Hyatt in Bellevue. I think they were there both years. Hmm. Um, so yeah, they they've made this uh, this possible. But you know, for planning the conference and running the conference, it's it's right now. It's just me. Wow, I didn't realize that uh, you were so uh, involved with all of it. Uh, so I appreciate everything that you've been doing because I've been I've attended. Uh, starting with the Elixir Conf in Bellevue, Washington, and then the Gaylord one. Uh, so I've, I've really been enjoying them. I think they're really well run, and I appreciate them as a resource. Well, I do have a few years of experience running conferences, so um, some people say I make it look easy. Um, and you probably can't appreciate that until you try to have your own conference. Uh. So it makes me wonder then... Uh, since a lot of this load seems to be on you for the initial planning and setting up, um, you mentioned that you're, you know, you, you develop software as your day to day is running the conferences, your full-time job. Pretty much. Yeah. That's, uh, right now I'm, I'm, um, I'm running some SAS apps as well. Um, but running ElixirConf, uh, ElixirConf Europe is what I do full-time. Gotcha. So I'd love to to move in and start talking about this uh, 2020 ElixirConf. I know it's um, you wanted to wait until you could be sure that, yes, we could provide something and we wouldn't have to cancel it. And so now you've gotten this, uh, you've chosen to go with a virtual one. So I'd just love to hear a little bit about kind of how that's going to work. I assume the presenters are going to be presenting from their own homes or uh, some, some location, and uh, it'll be video. So... I was wondering if you can kind of share what that's going to be like uh, as a as a viewer and a participant and maybe as a presenter. I think a lot of people will be presenting from their home. I, my, uh, I think my personal requirement is I have to, I think I can only do a, a remote conference uh, broadcasting from Ibiza. So um, I think I'm going to have to head out there to run this conference. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Um <laughs> No, I think my my goal is very simple. It's like my, you know, the very first conference I ran, our goal was to not lose money, not to go bankrupt. Uh, I think our goal for this virtual conference is not to fall flat on our face. And if we do, hopefully we can pick ourselves up with some amount of dignity when it's <laughs> over. Uh, I've seen other people do it. it I, think, I think it's going to be possible. we got lots of uh, support uh, for people to try to help us. Our goal right now is to see if we can run two or three tracks, uh, probably about six hours a, uh, a day uh, for that uh, Thursday and Friday. And we have uh, right now um, three training classes. And um, so we had, we had like five or six uh, training classes before all this started, but we, we never uh, uh, accepted those classes. Uh, and so we revisited that recently, and, and um, we've added a new one, and some of the people didn't want to do it anymore because uh, remote. So anyway, I think it's going to be a, uh, end up being a good conference. We're going to have very similar format to the previous years. We're going to have two days of training uh, and two days of conference. Uh, I know other uh, technical conferences have been hosted virtually. Did you uh, attend any of those just to see how they were run and how what that experience was like? Yeah, I've attended uh, about three, probably four conferences now remote. Uh, and uh, if you went to ElixirConfie, you, you know, th there's, a, there's a few hiccups using the, the Whova system. 
Um, so we're, we're, we're still looking at what, how best to run the conference. You know, as a fallback, and it's quite expensive, but as a fallback, we could just end up having a big Zoom meeting. So we, we've, we've looked into our, our backup plan, but we're trying to have a, a little bit better experience. We'll see how that turns out. Cool. So one of the questions that I have not yet attended any of these virtual conferences, and uh, I know one of the things I think about as, a, as an attendee is the value I get personally from like the hallway track, which is, you know, sitting down at a lunch table and just kind of meeting someone randomly kind of paired up and just kind of like, hey, where do you work? Where are you? What's that like? And so I'm just wondering, how, how can we approximate that or bring in some of those benefits when we're doing it virtually? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, our plan now is to have uh, several different uh, Zoom rooms that you can join um, with that are loosely categorized, right? Like, listen, this one may be about Elixir, and this one may be about what you did for a vacation, um, <laughs> and and just let people drop in and out of those. Uh, our plan is also to have um, meeting times and also a general drop-ins for the sponsors, um, those who are looking for uh, employers, employees. Um, and if you're looking for work, you can just drop in and have a chat and, you know, schedule a specific time and uh, talk with a, 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 a sponsor. The, the um, ElectroConf EU, we had um, an, after, an after party and things like that, uh, which was basically an open Zoom meeting. And that actually was a lot of fun. It went well. So I'm chatting with people uh, from Japan and from Sweden. The, the person in Japan, it was like 2 a.m. his time. <laughs> so, uh, but it's kind of fun to chat with people. And, and it was, it was actually, um, in some ways more casual and, and better than actually being there. Um, because you can only talk to so many people, right? When mm-hmm. you only make the rounds when you're in the physical setting. Uh, and so I, I probably met people I would, I would never meet and, and had conversations with them. So, I, I don't know how exactly how it's going to turn out, but that's that's our general plan is to we're going to have uh, open Zoom meetings uh, for you to kind of enjoy that uh, socializing factor. Nice. I like that. Because I, I can also, like you mentioned there, the idea that uh, you found it in some ways more casual. And I can kind of see that, you know, like if I'm sitting here in my own personal environment, like my office space at, at my home, you know, like I'm comfortable here. And so I, I may be even a little bit more comfortable talking with somebody else uh, that I have not met than if I were like in a completely, you know, foreign environment. So that's an interesting perspective I hadn't thought of. Yeah, I, I participated in a, um, I don't know what it was. Uh, it's like Meet, I think is what it's called or something. It was interesting. I don't know how I got on the list, but it's like you, you basically had 15-minute um, sessions um, over like an hour and a half. And I... Um, you could extend the session near the end, or you could go on to the next, but you, you entered your profile, what you're interested in, and it kind of randomly uh, combined you with people. Um, like speed dating, but it was just speed meeting. Uh, anyway, I met individuals from uh, an individual from Paris and one from Europe and one from like Mississippi. And that was actually a really good experience. I'm like, okay, this could actually work out. I mean, so it's pretty amazing that you can... You can still you can feel pretty comfortable uh, meeting someone you haven't ever met online if if it if if it's in a, the correct situation. Um, I, I think it can actually be a good experience. 
That's really cool because I was just thinking back on our remote meetups we've been having lately and we're all together on this big Zoom meeting and sometimes myself or other people don't feel comfortable because you have to take the whole stage. You can't just talk one-on-one with somebody when you're all on a Zoom meeting together. You have to take the whole stage and some people don't feel comfortable doing that. And I was just thinking to myself, it would be cool to have some kind of like random placing into meetings one-on-one with people to meet them and that's that's a great idea yeah i'm I'm assuming that it you know we'll see how next year looks but it looks like there's a high probability we'll have a remote conference next year and i think it'll probably even be even better than this year so <laughs> that would be funny if you got randomly put in with like jose or chris mccord and just like hey i've been wanting to talk to you what's up because you'd never get to meet somebody like that there's always like a line to meet the more popular people in the community. <laughs> they they had an AMA at Electroconf, so Chris McCord had like a 20-minute AMA, so that was kind of nice. That's cool. I can imagine there are some other benefits of it being uh, a virtual one. What are some of the benefits that you've seen that uh, that are now possible that you couldn't do before? I don't know. There's trade-offs, right? We're, our, our talks are going to be a little bit shorter. It's easier to have your attention held if you're physically there uh, and physically presenting to other people. We've we've had some feedback on on talk length that maybe you know that 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 they that some people for more technical talks need need the forty minutes, but I think the majority of the talks could probably be like thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to wait for feedback and and see how this turns out. Yeah, well, I'd say one of the benefits that I was just thinking of and and it, it occurred to me is that it's more approachable or where other people like in Europe uh, would be less likely to fly out for uh, a conference to the U.S. They might now Uh, feel an opportunity to do that. Great point, great point, right? So we're selling tickets really late, right? We're not going to sell probably tickets going on sale here next week. Yeah, so you don't have to worry about scheduling a hotel room. You don't have to worry Mm -hmm. about flights. You can buy a ticket at the last minute. (laughs) Don't have to worry about TSA. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly, right? You don't have to worry. Yeah, it's a ton of stuff you don't have to worry about. So, in fact, I've thought about putting that on the uh, on the speaker, um, the CFP. It's like, you know, the conference will cover all your airfare and hotel fees. <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's when that's I had good. someone come back to me and go, well, I can only present from Ibiza. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd mentioned some of the challenges that you'd kind of had in... Uh, you know, sounds like you've been doing some research with the way other communities and conferences have handled this, but what are some of the other challenges that you've encountered while you're preparing for this? Um, something that like might not be entirely obvious to us. Well, I th- I don't think people understand the way the conference business works. And I really, I, uh, man, I don't really understand how these venues can stay in business, to be honest. Um, because like the Gaylord there in Denver, I think they're used to pulling in maybe 300,000 a day, okay? Maybe, maybe more, maybe a little less. But now it's zero. Uh, and so how long can you survive if you're used to pulling in, you know, a quarter million, $300,000 a day, and you're, you're not pulling in anything, right? And so it's a tough business. I, the reason, I, one reason I waited, waited so long is because I was waiting on the hotel, right? And I still don't have confirmation. We still don't have a new contract with the hotel. Uh, and the hotel 
um, is, is not going to sit idly by and let you claim force majeure. And what force majeure is, is that, hey, you know, there's an act of God and we can't, you know, it's impossible, we can't have the conference. They're, they're going to go after you anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So technically I'm on the hook for like um, $361,000 for this conference. Good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> I think that qualifies as a challenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and everyone goes, in insurance, what about insurance? There is no such thing as conference insurance. It doesn't exist. Uh, so, you know, I've, I had, I've seen, I've seen comments to me on, like, on Twitter and stuff. I'm like, uh, it's obviously people don't understand how it works. Uh, there, there is no insurance. Uh, you make commitments and you keep those commitments. If you don't, you pay or you file bankruptcy. So right now, the hotels are in a really bad spot. Um, the um, conferences are in a really bad spot. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm having to move forward, but in, in the uh, hotel is kind of accepted that we're not going to, you know, they've acknowledged that there will not be a conference this year. So we're looking at rescheduling that in 2022, actually. They haven't brought anything to me for 2021, but if they did, I'm not sure I would feel confident uh, on that. That is what's when you look at a conference organizer, especially if you're in a big conference, you know, you're running over 500 people. That's what's going on in the back of their mind is like, how in the heck am I not going to go bankrupt and how am I going to, you know, pay for this? Uh, that That's the scary part about running these conferences is you're on the hook for, you know, the liability factor is really, really, uh, you know, pretty much off the chart for what I'm normally used to. So anyway, there's that. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a, gl a little glimpse of that because uh, my employer, they host an annual kind of user group meeting where they bring in uh, clients from the industry and everyone uh, kind of comes. And yeah, they had to cancel it. Uh, this was like right as things were starting to lock down. And so they were able to get, I think, a partial refund. But yeah, it's, it's a challenge because, you know, you think about um, just businesses running on a cash flow basis where... They've already paid the people who were doing the organizing and the administrative work leading up to it. And that, that was still value that was created, even if it's not going to be fully captured. That is a real challenge. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, the hotels are just, they, I don't know if they have a, a choice or not, but they're not, they're not rolling over. I, I know of one, the, the Gaylord in San Antonio, you know, there was a group that met when they were actually physically shut down and they still wouldn't let them claim force majeure. And I'm like, well, you were shut down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wow. It's like, how, how are you going to make me pay when you could, I couldn't even have gone to your conference. So, or your, your hotel. Anyway, that's still, that's still floating out there because it, I don't have anything signed right now. And I, I think it's going to work out. I mean, I think most people are trying to be reasonable and they, they do want our business. Um, and we're, we're going to try to sign, like I say, in the, into the future. Um, and we, they haven't, we haven't nailed that down yet. But there's also that possibility that they just won't be there when that time comes. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about the virtual conference. Um, I think that's going to lower the barrier of entry for a lot of folks to come and experience what an Elixir Conf is like, even though it might not be physically. Well, okay, if I can interrupt you real quick, that's... Yeah. It reminds me of DN Simple has sponsored uh, our opportunity grant. And so we have room for like 15 to 20 uh, individuals that, that uh, has financial need to attend the conference. Hmm. So nice. I'd like to get that out there. Um, we, we, 
I'm trying to figure out a way to, you know, I've we've put out some um, solicitations from sponsors and other groups to to recommend individuals for that uh, sponsor, you know, that, that grant. Uh, but if, if you're listening to this podcast and you have a financial need, um, hit me up and we'll add you to the list. That's great. I'm glad you're able to, to share that. So I do want to give you a chance to, to kind of promote uh, like this call for proposals, right? Like if someone has an idea for a talk, maybe they've even practiced it at a, a meetup or something like that. Would you encourage them to submit their, their ideas? How would, you, what's the, how would you propose they do that? So, like I say, these uh, I've been to several of these um, online conferences now, and the talks have a little bit different style than if you were standing at a podium in front of a bunch of people. Uh, they are a little more relaxed, and and I, I actually put out there that we're kind of looking for more practical talks, or I should say, practical knowledge. Right. So you know, we're all going through this, a little bit of this lockup situation, um, and so. And, you know, it's nice to learn new things with the lecture, but I think we've opened the door to say, hey, you know, uh, I'd like to just see the way some people work. How do you, how do you code? What, what's your, you know, what's your preferred style? How do you, how are you finding success in, in getting, uh, you know, the most accomplished or in learning? Uh, you know, how are you ramping up on live view or uh, things like that? So, yeah, so we're, we're, we're open to, I think, quite a diverse uh, topic set when it comes to, individuals who are working with Elixir, right? So we're kind of interested in, in your, uh, a little bit more of, a, of the whole um, lifestyle around you and your Elixir experience. Uh, that's going to be really interesting. I know that there were several uh, several folks in the community that like to live stream their code. And I'd never, I'd never considered that being something to see at a conference. <laughs> but I, th- I think that could be really interesting. Um, I mean, live streaming in general has been you know, increasing in popularity. It blows my mind sometimes how many, how many views people get, you know, just by watching somebody else do their work. <laughs> but I, every time I do, I pick up something new. So it, there is a good value to it, but still blows my mind. That It does. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like a public person like that. I could just live stream stuff, but yeah. there was this one, there's this one individual and he was rather new to Elixir and he was live streaming and I was like, Oh, I watch this, see what's going on. And it was so funny. He got hung up on this one part, and I was just like screaming at him, "Do this, do this!" <laughs> <laughs> and he and he couldn't figure it out. And he he said, "Oh, I'm gonna shut that down and come back tomorrow when I figure it out." <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's a reflection of true life, you know. Sometimes you get to a problem and you crash and burn. That's okay. Just uh, pick it up tomorrow. Go for a walk. <laughs> you know, get some ice cream, something. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Anyway, yeah, that's that was. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of people do that, and and, um, and it, I think it's great. I think it it, it broadens the uh, uh, the accessibility of this it, uh, totally. I mean, before yeah. it used to be hard to find information on you know how, how do I get started on Phoenix Developer? How do I do this? You know, right. So right now, there's a ton of videos out there, and they're not heavily watched. I, I should say as well. I mean, because I'm looking at their views. The Plangora has a lot of great videos. Um, and they'll have like 300 views. And I'm like, okay, maybe I'm just the only you know, person who can't figure stuff out and go, go watch this, these videos. But uh, I thought they did a really good job um, uh, the way they explain stuff. And so for, for me, they're really great. 
So, so looking, um, so I'm looking forward to the virtual conference. I'm, I'm also curious just, uh, on maybe on your opinion. So, so far, since you've organized so many conferences and all of the Elixir confs, what has been your, you've probably gotten this question before. What's been your favorite location so far? Well, so we haven't been too many places. So you you want you want to talk about just the 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 U.S. conference or the um, European uh, just conference? just your opinion? I mean, that would be maybe at a U.S. location, an EU location. So, oh, I think I think Prague, the city, wins hands down. <laughs> uh, nice. Uh, you know, we had a lot of fun in Berlin, but Prague is just it's hard to beat Prague. Uh, it's a beautiful a nice city downtown. Um, yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, it's so amazing. Uh, for the U.S., I think the Gaylord pretty much wins uh, so far. Uh, like Dis- that lazy Disney river. Was- oh, yeah. <laughs> and Disney's- Disney was pretty fun. Um, and I'd like to go back to Disney. But, you know, <laughs> uh, Disney does open in July, right? Um, <laughs> So that, that was the we'll, first Elixir Conf that I went to, and I remember being so so impressed with it, and just loving. Yeah, I took the whole week, right, just to go to the conference and then go to Disney. It was right there. I couldn't I couldn't pass it up. Yeah. Uh, so I, I liked that one. Denver was also really cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's some nice new attractions in Orlando um, for like 2023 and stuff like that. So I don't yeah. know. We may be we may be heading back there. We we've looked at venues in New Orleans. And, you know, I, I looked at just probably four months ago, a lot of different venues in, in, um, in like New Orleans and Florida. And it just turns out now they're all the hot spots, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's unfortunate. So it's like, wow. Uh, you know, so we'll see. We'll see how all this plays yeah. out. I, I think at some point in the future, we'll go back to meeting and we'll feel safe about it. Yeah. So this year, definitely virtual. Next year, Maybe virtual. Maybe probably virtual. But we'll see what happens after that, huh? So one one final question uh, from me is, um, I know some people can be very, find it very intimidating to maybe uh, even off suggest that, hey, maybe I could give a presentation. Uh, but I've also been very impressed uh, in talking with some of the presenters of previous talks and conferences where, you know, they were sharing where they were in their journey and, you know, they weren't like the luminaries. They weren't the super experienced. They weren't the book authors. They were just people working and, and going through the journey and sharing where they were. Uh, I just wanted to see if you had any kind of encouragement you could give to people who, who might to kind of get them out there and maybe submit a, an idea. No, I think that's great. Um, yes, those are very good. Uh, Justin Schneck calls it conference-centered development or conference-oriented development. <laughs> um, so, you know, he's he comes up with these great ideas that half the time don't exist. Uh, <laughs> that he gets up working before the conference. Uh, I, I've seen um, people take a subject and become an expert in that one little subject. I think uh, Greg Vaughn did a talk on Ecto without a database, uh, which was actually a really good talk. And, um, so just, you know, you could almost pick anything, uh, you know, you could pick components of LIDI, right. Or whatever you want to do. I think those would be great topics to just peel back the layers of, of one simple topic. So you don't have to know everything, you know, you just, you can, it can be a benefit because you learn one thing really, really good. Uh, and, and you can share your journey as you learn, uh, in the process. 
So as the community broadens, right, or, or we get more people, so we are past the early adopter stage, right? So we're we're kind of in the the mid to I don't think we're in the late adopter stage yet. I don't think we've been around long enough, but uh, but with this bell curve now, we we have probably majority of the people who have a, a smattering of. Uh, uh, elixir experience, right? Anywhere from say six months to two, two years, year and a half, two and a half years. Um, and so, of course, you're not going to know everything if, if you're in that curve, which I think is the majority. So, pretty much anything you want to pick and 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 you know peel back the the layers a little bit and understand it really well and present it in a nice, uh, you know, friendly and easy uh, digestible form, I think would be appealing to probably ninety percent of the people at the conference. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jim. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for coming on and sharing your time. If people want to follow you online or connect with you, what's the best way to do that? I'm at, uh, well, we're at ElixirConf on Twitter. Uh, I'm also at Jim Freeze on Twitter. And then we have a Facebook uh, page, uh, uh, facebook.com. I think it's slash ElixirConf. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. And we hope you'll join us next time on Thinking Elixir.